How do you like your coffee? I prefer mines with a side of crime. Hey guys, you're listening to Coffee with a Side of Crime. I'm your host, Courtney D. And today we will be reviewing a Ponzi scheme of modern day. Literally, probably the first Ponzi scheme I've heard of secretly since Bernie Madoff. And I'm saying secretly. And when I get to the end of this episode, you'll understand why I'm saying secretly. But what are you guys drinking? Today, my coffee drink of choice is a caramel frap from Starbies, light ice, laced caramel drizzle in the cup because I do indulge in my sweets sometime, and sweet cream cold foam. If you have not tried this, I suggest you add it to your list. If caramel isn't your thing, it's perfectly fine. You can do a mocha frap and a vanilla cream frap, whatever floats your boat. But this is mine at the moment. All right, so we're going to jump right in. So this episode, we're going to talk about a broker by the name of Sean Edward Good, who is barred from Morgan Stanley after a $4.8 million Ponzi scheme. Yes, you heard me correctly. $4.8 million dollars. For one person. Let's see how this scheme plays out. So Sean Edward Good is at the moment a former registered broker and investment advisor whose last known employer was Morgan Stanley of Wilmington, North Carolina. His previous employers were Wells Fargo Advisors LLC, also of Wilmington, and Charles Schwab and Company, Inc., that's a lot going on. And Company Inc. of San Francisco, California. He has been in this industry since 1990. Which, if any of you are good at fast math, well, I guess it's kind of simple. It's 1990, 2022. It's simple. But you do the math, I don't feel like it. Meaning, he's been in this industry for what is this, 34 years, roughly? Uh, yeah, I think I'm right. 34 years. So he, he should know the business, right? So we would like to think. So prior to him being barred from Morgan Stanley, he had five disclosures on his record. Basically meaning he had done something, whether good or bad, enough that clients went to his boss or bosses and decided to leave things on record. Three of these five were customer disputes. So in 34 years, he's had five disclosures and three of them were customer disputes, meaning he was doing something that these clients weren't happy with. Okay. So the first one was filed on April 13th, 2022. So let's just go back to that really quickly. He's been in the industry since 1990. He hadn't filed, had a dispute filed rather, sorry, until April 13th of 2022 so realistically he waited until he got older to start acting up it's crazy so this dispute alleged that from august 2019 to february 2022 he misappropriated funds from a customer's access line account 
the client's request damages in the amount of $2.275 million. This claim is pending. The latest claim though, roughly two and a half weeks later, on April 30th, 2022, with allegations that Sean Edward Good misappropriated funds by soliciting an outside real estate investment opportunity from 2015 through 2018. No damages are listed, but this claim is also pending. Interesting. Prior to April 13th, with the first claim being filed, Morgan Stanley allegedly terminated Good on March 10th after he refused to cooperate with an internal investigation following allegations from clients. FINRA began an investigation based on the information in the Uniform Termination Notice for Securities Industry Registration, which was... was sent in by Morgan Stanley. On March 21, 2022, FINRA sent a letter to Sean Good. Now, just for us not in the financial world, what is FINRA? Don't worry, I'll tell you. It's the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, better known as FINRA or F-I-N-R-A. You too can know what FINRA means if you Google it. But I'm here to do the work and you're here to listen. So I'm just going to repeat that last one just in case anybody got sidetracked. So on March 21st, 2022, FINRA sent a letter to Sean Edward Good requesting his appearance for an on-the-record testimony in accordance with FINRA Rule 8210. On March 30th, Just nine days later, Good confirmed, wait for it, through his legal counsel, because he didn't want to tell him directly, so he had his lawyers tell him, but I mean, if we got a Ponzi scheme for $4.8 million, I will have my lawyers tell him too. But anywho, through his legal counsel, he stated that although he did receive Fenris' letter, he would not appear for an on-the-record testimony. And apparently there's a true crime being committed outside my house at the moment because I'm not understanding why this helicopter is flying so low. What are we doing here, guys? Okay, we're, we're back to normal. FYI, I'm not in the hood, so don't come for me. Anywho, following this refusal, FINRA barred good permanently, meaning he will never be able to work in the financial industry again in any capacity and this was effective as of april 14th 2022 so roughly in about three four weeks his entire life got flipped upside down and with that letter from fenra barring him permanently he signed it which was a letter of acceptance a waiver and consent, an AWC, if you will, accepting the imposed sanction. Following the FINRA investigation, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, you may know it as the SEC, 
started a civil action against Sean Edward Good. In this SEC action, this described a multi-year Ponzi scheme perpetrated by Sean Edward Good involving his clients at Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC. The investors were allegedly, because all this is still pending, defrauded out of approximately $4.8 million, with clients losing roughly $2 million. As if that makes it better. It really doesn't. The five clients that were, uh, how do I say, I don't want to say small-time investors. They were novice investors. Um, so we're not going to call them small time because if they lost two million, they still lost more than I could play with. So they're doing pretty good to, you know, be investing, but not to the point where they're okay with losing that. These people included a single mother of five children and multiple retirees. First off, I have a soft spot in my heart for single parents, but more specifically single mothers. And this woman had five children and probably thought she was investing in her children's future. And this old man just took the money so he could do whatever he wanted to do with it. And don't worry, I'll tell you what he did with it. Okay, don't worry, I got the tea or the coffee. Okay, so unfortunately, though, these individuals, they they trusted Sean Edward. I kind of feel like I should have been saying Sean Edward. It actually sounds good, but no, we're going to go with Sean Edward Good. They trusted him with the recommendations that he was going to use their money and invest properly. Um, And this included convincing the clients to transfer funds from their brokerage accounts, um, as well as take advantage of their lines of credit with Morgan Stanley. So he just went about every which way possible that he knew he could from the financial aspect with these people unfortunately and that's just not cool like I it's very you know it's really sad because a lot of this especially the retirees and the mother of five they they put a lot of time um and effort into their careers to be able to have this money to invest and to just have somebody play with it on their own accord is something you just don't want to play with on goods instruction these clients transferred funds into what they did believe would be either a low risk development possible government bonds but the reason i'm doing this episode is because the funds are actually going to sean edward good's personal bank account yes he actually had the funds set up to go directly to his own personal that's where you got caught because that is just ridiculous at least what what is it offshore make an offshore account you got the money get a swiss bank account you know somewhere that nobody can find you but you going to trace it back to your own bank account Uh, but i digress so what did he use said funds for well obviously it's a ponzi scheme so he had to pay previous quote-unquote investors in said scheme as well as, wait for it, $800,000 in credit card bills. This man had almost a million dollars in credit card bills. I, I can't, I just, I'm, I'm not, that's too much. You're doing way too much. Because the way I view it, you know, we'll save that for, it's my turn. Okay, we'll save it for that. Um, So along with his $800,000 in credit card bills, 
Uh, he used their money for Venmo transfers. And this pretty good worked out for him. Car note payments on his Tesla. Now, I personally wouldn't want for a Rivian. But, you know, everybody wants a Tesla. Good for you. I hear they're blowing up at stop signs. Anywho, at least three of these quote unquote investors are old money from good. So it seems as though he never really paid the credit card bills or actually made the Venmo transfers or paid the payments on his Tesla. And of course, I feel like we know where this is going. If not, I'm obviously going to tell you. Good did what any other American citizen would do in a testimony where you're being questioned about criminal activities. You invoke your Fifth Amendment. And how many times did he do it? I don't know exactly. But I do know he invoked his Fifth Amendment right to every single question that was asked. I mean, from A to Z. He, I invoke my Fifth Amendment. I invo- it was almost like he should have just made a sign and held it up after every question that says, I invoke my Fifth Amendment. And for those of you, because I care, that aren't really sure what the Fifth Amendment is, I'll tell you, it's an amendment to the U.S. Constitution that contains a number of provisions uh, relating to criminal law, including guarantees of due process and the right to refuse to answer questions in order to avoid incriminating oneself. So all of that rigmarole in front of the part that matters, I kind of block out. And most people just look at the fact that you can invoke your Fifth Amendment for the right to refuse to answer questions in order to avoid incriminating oneself. So I'm sure we'll we'll go with his lawyers told him to just invoke his Fifth Amendment while they, you know, do whatever other background stuff they need to do, I guess, to try to get him not to go to jail or pay back fines or anything like that. Um, so one previous customer dispute filed back in September of 2011 for quote unquote misrepresentation of an Ohio national annuity sold in his account was denied. So there was a customer basically who said someone, mm, what's the word I'm looking for? Someone portrayed to be said customer to have a national annuity sold in his account, but that was denied. And then there's no additional information on that. And being that that happened in 2011 and Sean Edward Good still had a job, I would assume that there probably weren't any real deep dives into trying to figure this out. If Sean had been in the industry since 1990 and it was 2011, he probably had a decent amount of partners. From from my own thoughts, these are not facts, but from my own thoughts, um, that he was able to, you know, get said things done, move a favor here or there. All that good stuff. And now we've come to the part of the episode that I likely titled. All right, it's my turn. Because I've been real nice kind of reading, you know, what I've been saying to you wonderful listeners about Sean Edward Good. And here's my take on it, right? So... Most people in the world 
and I'm, I'm not even going to break it down to specific demographics. I'm just going to say in the world, most of us are not able to do large scale investing at companies like Morgan Stanley, Wells Fargo Advisors, Charles Schwab. I mean, don't get me wrong. They do have levels that we can, but I'm going to speak for myself. I am not at a multi-million dollar investment situation in my life. Not yet. I will be not there yet. So when these people are taken advantage of, it really does something to me because you're purposely stealing money from people who are literally going to work and or retired from working for X amount of years to be able to invest with you. So that way with their hypothetically, the pensions that, you know, people get, they're like, okay, so I've been investing since I was 22 years old. I'm 63. I have my pension and I'll get my monthly investment check. You've messed that up for them. Their homes, their cars, their children's college, their livelihood, their regular bills, something as small that we consider small that could be in jeopardy of losing with these people could be their grocery shopping. Like we're not even talking trips and and just living a lavish life. Like you left these people unable to do the bare minimum. And what gets me, this is what gets me right the whole thing right cool okay so what gets me about that is there is no criminal case right so this man has not been arrested he's been fired um he's been brought to testify which again he i i plead the fifth so there was no real testifying um there was no way of him even considering a way to get these people some of their money back. When that question was posed, he said, I plead the fifth. He's not giving any answers. He He's not doing anything. And I guess with that one, if he says, oh, I can get the money back, then you're almost incriminating yourself by saying, okay, yeah, I did take the money, but I can get it back. But you're not. You know, you, I feel like these type of people... Um, they, they make the entire industry look bad. So then now you have so many people, I'm sure in these people's families that are like, oh, I'm not investing. Like, or I'm, I'm going to have somebody else review my stuff, which I feel like you should anyway, right? Like you should always have like somebody review your books. Like if you're in that, that tax bracket, like you, you have multiple accountants and things like that. Like I heard recently, uh, Tyler Perry, like fired his old accountant firm because he found out that the IRS owed him $9 million and the accountant firm that he had kind of just let it go over their head. So yeah, they got fired, but as, as you should like have someone else check your stuff, but maybe these people can't afford to have multiple, you know, um, advisors and, and anybody else look at it. Like most of us invest and do things. We do our part. We trust what you're going to say. We give you the amount of money that we agree to give you. And we then trust that where you're telling me you're putting my funds and I'm going to get a dividend check every quarter. Some of them are monthly, not that many of them, but majority of them are either quarterly or annually. But when I, when I don't receive these and I start questioning things, then what? Like, did he really believe nobody was going to question this? Like, where's my money? That's literally what it boils down to. Where's my money? And to find out you 
created a Ponzi scheme that for whatever reason, it's being quiet. And when I mean, I'm telling you, it is mouse pen on cotton quiet. Like you, this, what I found on this case, particularly the first day I looked it up, I read the first one in five minutes. And it's not because I'm a fast reader. There is not a lot of info. Whoever he is, they're trying to keep this under wraps as low as they possibly can. And I feel like the only reason it's out as much as it's out is because somebody knew somebody who told somebody and maybe called a law firm and a law firm posted it initially and then someone else picked it up and ran but it hasn't been on the news and I live in North Carolina it has not been on the news not even like a blimp not even at the ticker on the bottom of the screen not a nothing like have not seen I honestly don't even know what he looks like I could walk past him and have no idea who he is and pay him no attention well that's like most people here but you get my point but I don't know guys this one it it just bothers me because it's one thing to steal But then there's another thing to steal from a certain class of people and a certain type of of person and the mother of five kids. Like, you know, what if what if one of her children were in college? Like, what if it were you? Like, what if you have one kid? Let's not even go with five. You have one kid. And this kid is, I don't know, a freshman in high school. And this kid wants to go to, I don't know, the Fashion Institute in New York. And this was you. What do you do? Do you tell your kid you can't go to college? You can't go to the school you've been went? No, you still, as a parent, I believe you would have to find a way to make it work. But not everything you've worked for to make sure that these things could happen for your kid are no longer a thing. I don't know. I just, I feel like the way Bernie Madoff got so much on screen time, but I feel like his was, was a bigger situation because it was big name companies. Like it wasn't quote unquote, the average person. So the average person doesn't get the same respect. I feel like in this case, like if it were, you know, somebody like, okay, let's leave it with Sean, Sean Edward Good at Morgan Stanley. And if he had somehow, you know, been able to finesse money from Wells Fargo investors and finesse money from Charles Schwab and Prudential Financial and all, all these big, you know financial industry companies would that have been something that needed to be done to make the news because this right here i feel like it's it's even a bigger deal because the companies like that they always bounce back like they did after the bernie madoff situation these people are not going to bounce back it's very unfortunate i don't know guys (sighs) this one this one is a doozy for me but yeah leave leave me your uh thoughts and comments let me know what you uh what you feel what your thoughts are i'm interested to know like if any anybody else cares (laughs) uh if anybody else feels you know not really a connection i don't want to say i have a connection but i have a heart so this this one wasn't i'm not gonna lie to you it's not gonna make me not be able to sleep tonight (laughs) but it definitely it's been on my mind for a few weeks and i decided to go ahead and put it out so here we are but you know this this is pretty pretty bad and i'm telling you there's no pictures of this man there's no other articles i mean even the other articles honestly they're so small and um 
it's it's just I I don't know. It's I I'm wondering. I'm I'm more obsessed. Like I'm literally obsessed with why this is being so quiet. You know, like it's really quiet. Well, I I just saw that there is actually a lawsuit um from one of his former clients. They're suing Morgan Stanley for lack of supervision. So this person said, I'm going to get my money back one way or the other, (laughs) whether it's from him or you or whatever. Somebody's going to cut me a check. And if this goes through, he's actually probably he or she will probably get more than what they were actually investing. Because honestly, a lack of supervision, I've never heard of a lawsuit um, (laughs) titling lack of supervision. But if it's a thing, then so be it. I'm, I'm, I'm always on the side of the victims, you know, as long as you're really the victim. Okay, this states that the plaintiff is an elderly investor who allegedly had $400,000 misappropriated from what she thought was a real estate investment, which goes to the initial um, notes that I had. So hopefully we'll, we'll, I'll keep an eye on this one. I will definitely give you guys a follow-up whenever I hear something else. Um, I'm not seeing anywhere that he would get any jail time. The only thing I did see was he was questioned again about if he had a plan to get these people their money back or how he would raise the money or what he would do to get the money. And he again, pled the fifth. So that's where we're at with that. Um, this lawsuit though, it's claiming that the brokerage firm failed to prevent Sean Edward Good from, um, the alleged violations, despite very significant red flags in his emails, which Morgan Stanley, Ooh, apparently Morgan Stanley is obligated to monitor the emails. So it's looking like someone did drop the ball. Yeah, we're going to keep a close eye on this one because I, w- I would love to know how this actually ends. And then we can give a, does he do jail time or do we not give him jail time? You know, we'll, we'll play with the public opinion on that one and we'll leave it up to, well, I'll create, I'll create a poll and we can vote and we'll go from there. But all right, guys, I'm, I'm done with Sean Edward Good and um, tune in next week. Next week is going to be a tad bit rough. So just be ready. I'm, I might actually have to have a shot of something in my coffee next week. It's, it's going to be one of those. But all right, y'all stay safe. Have a great week. If you get bored to listen again <laughs> or not, it's no, let's listen again. If you get bored, it's, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, this will probably one of the only episodes that are this short because most of the other ones kind of are already done and have um, a lot more information. Some of them have already also gone to trial just to give you a glimpse into what we're going to do with this podcast. Some episodes will have a guest. Majority of them will be just me and my coffee and my dog. Right now she's sleeping. But, you know, if you heard in the background, her name is Reese. She's really cute. She's a Doberman lab mix, if anybody cares. Um, Maybe I'll add a picture. But all right, guys, again, I'm out of here. You guys have a safe week. Enjoy. And don't forget to have 
your coffee with a side of crime.